Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. I might create a new game. I looked at creating a game that just had four pockets on. I looked at the table, we started playing it. I went, you know what, I like this. It's a cross between Paul and Snooker. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. The Women's World Cup Show on Off the Ball with Sure Non-Stop Protection Deodorant, official sponsor of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. The quarterfinal stages are upon us. Very happy to say Shaban Hearn is back from Australia and on the line. Good evening. Great to have you with us, Shaban. Good evening, Joe. How are you? You well? Very well. Congrats, by the way. I saw a new gig at TalkSport. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, but bright and early for early breakfast, 5 a.m., which is like a half past two alarm. So apparently <laughs> oh that's God. really good for keeping you young and very, very refreshed looking. Oof. I look about 80 already, but I'll take it. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, what will bedtime be now? Bedtime will be, well, I've just got my kids down now, try and have an hour, go to bed about half nine, and then sleep about three and a half hours in the day, oh, if it all goes to plan. Okay. Yeah. I feel dizzy. <laughs> you were over in Australia. How was the experience? Who did you tend to uh, follow around? I think you were generally covering Ireland quite a bit. Yeah, I covered Ireland, managed to make a couple of England games, made the the Brazil-France game as well. But yeah, what an experience to to follow the girls in green, Joe, and to watch them come out of the tunnel at whatever stadium they were at, wherever they were, to an absolute roar. Um, And the Irish would always say the best fans in the world. They totally lived up to it. And you could see the buzz in the team getting time with the, the girls after games, how much it meant to them to be able to sing the anthem loud and proud and and, and just see the fans travel all the way across the world to uh, see them play. And you know what? I'm going to put it out there. They did not look out of place at all, did they? No, very competitive. And even when you saw what Nigeria did against England, that uh, further uh, underlined that point, you know, against yeah. Australia, last 10, 15 minutes, Australia were far from comfortable and they took the lead against Canada. Canada, in, fair, in fairness, were really, really yeah. good in the second half. And the fact that they were eliminated shows that it really was a difficult group. So in terms of belonging at that level, absolutely. I, I think the sense here is, you know, now next phases kick on again a little bit, maybe in terms of style of play and, and, and getting more points on the board. But as a, as a first tilt where very conceivably you could have shipped a couple of goals and not scored, it, it was um, definitely a touch better than level par. Oh, it was brilliant. It was absolutely excellent. I mean, that Perth game when they played Canada started so incredibly well. Mm. Um, and that magic moment that Ireland fans got to see their first goal at the World Cup as well in such spectacular fashion. And it was rather poetic because it didn't rain. Joe, it poured in proper Irish fashion. And it was obviously your captain and just the superstar of the country. And it was just a really, really special moment. And it's a shame that then to concede the own goal and to just kind of switch off in those moments and not have plan B and C in order in that game because I think it could have been a very different outcome yeah. um, for them. But you know what? It's all a learning experience and what they don't have on the big stage is experience. So this is something to learn massively from. Big time. And a certain sister of yours, Ruisha Littlejohn, was tenacious in there. She had a great tournament. Yeah, she did. I'm really, really proud of her because... 
She's had a rubbish season due to injury, due to the Achilles, um, due to then when she recovered from her Achilles problems, she then burst her knee open in a freak laceration accident. And it was just one thing after another. And she had this, just this ambition, you know, before the tournament, we'll get into the squad. You know, she knew it was a really competitive squad to get into get in the squad and then it was like now compete to try and get in that starting 11 and we know that Vera Pau had been experimenting with her, she'd been off injured, she had to move things around and she just worked her backside off Joe. and I'm really proud of her, you know, she she really worked on herself mentally, she challenged herself, uh, she's been through it all so I'm really proud that she managed to work her way into three starting 11 games and and she, she played her heart out, she left it all out there so I'm really, really proud of her. Uh, tournament as it stands then we're at the quarterfinal stage so we'll have two games on the 11th two days time so Spain play Netherlands Japan who everybody I think has fallen a bit in love with play Sweden who came through in dramatic fashion against the US and then on the 12th Australia France and Brisbane very tasty and England go against Colombia so in the absence of the US, uh, this thing feels a touch more open. How disappointed were you in US performances? They're getting a lot of flack at home. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, it feels like a lot of uh, the fans are against them at this moment in time. There's a lot of problems, I guess, off the pitch of problems or activism, whatever it is you want to call it. Um, I, I wasn't massively disheartened by the performances, but the amount of pundits that you're hearing out there, the amount of you know, purist USA fans who are saying that they're just not working together and it's the changing of the guard as well. The amount of debuts coming in so the senior players bowing out, trying to get that that all leveled out and trying to get that perfect kind of real learning experience for them. But they go into this tournament as favourites and the standard has been exceptional. You know, every single team has had a superstar. Every single team and country there has like raised the bar and raised the levels. I mean, Nigeria have just been an absolute joy to watch and what they've achieved. I think Japan looked like the finished article. Spain have surprised us. Sweden have played great. Mm. Netherlands have caused an upset. France, for me, I think, are, are looking um, pretty dangerous in that game. I saw them against Brazil. I thought, OK, we have a full package here. And um, their manager, Air Bernard, who's come from Saudi Arabia with his latest role um, at the Men's World Cup. And I believe that the experience that he's bringing in and the, you know, the guidance that he's given his players and the technical changes as well apparently they've, they've got a lot from them um, in a short amount of time that you know could be interesting to see where they're going to go in this tournament yeah so they have Australia and, and you suspect it's really going to capture the imagination now in front of a home crowd and the hype will ramp up and Sam Kerr's calf is starting to behave is, is, is the word so that you know that, that suddenly becomes is that game of the round or what's jumping out to you you know what? Australia have embraced this tournament 100%. It's incredible. I mean, it's like when it was the Euros was here last year and the Lioness has just changed overnight. You know, the difference um, to, the, to the team support, you can understand that they have that, that home support, the country's right behind them. Everywhere you went, every airport you were at, which there were loads of them, every flight you were on, the captains were giving it shout-outs to the fans who were on the flight, but everybody really embraced it. The fan parks were absolutely excellent. Um, and I think they'll be G'd up by that home support, but I also think the fact that Ireland have really tested them, I think that, you know, Nigeria, what they could do against them as well, yes, I know we've been missing the old Sam Kerr, but I think France have enough enough to nullify them in that quarter final. They just 
seem to be playing absolutely outstanding football. Then again, like you look at like Hayley Russell, for example, she's had a brilliant tournament. You know, she's really stepped up for Australia. Sam uh, Kerr is the missing piece of the jigsaw. So if she's fighting that good to go from, from kickoff, I think it could be an exceptional game. But for me, I think my money would be on France. Mm. England um, have really blossomed this tournament because they arrived with some big name injuries and there was a sense that yeah, the consistency that had uh, powered them through the Euros, maybe a consistency of selection uh, that helped them power through the Euros uh, wasn't there. But they're um, doing their thing and they've got a lot going for them. They've got Colombia. I, I presume they're firm favourites to come through there. I haven't seen a huge amount of Colombia. No, there's a, there's a lot of doubt over England for this game off the back of what happened with Nigeria and now being without Lauren James because of that red card. So FIFA have decided that they're going to decide her fate after the Columbia game if it's going to be the one-match ban or if it's going to increase to the three. Um, I think they'll struggle without Lauren James in this game because she's such a creative player. She's been the superstar, to be fair to her, over the World Cup when you go from that high to low in one game. Um, I, I think Colombia is going to be a really good test. I think England all over the pitch have enough. But there's there's something missing. They are missing something. And uh, you definitely saw that in the Nigeria game. They were so frustrated. Nigeria had them in their back pocket um, a bit. So I think they have to come away from this knowing that they have... They're the best when it comes to penalties. They've got that experience now. You know, Georgia Stanway, I imagine, will be taking a lot from her penalty and, and how that went wide. But I think they've got the winning experience to take into this game and know, OK, we're the European champions. We can come here. We can go up against Colombia. But, but Colombia are ranked 25th in the world. Um, they've made it to a number of finals um, in South America. So they, they, they are good enough. And Linda Caicedo, by the way, I mean... What a machine, an 18-year-old superstar. She overcome ovarian cancer when she was 15 years old. And her football is just special. She's such a special player to watch. And, you know, I think the job they did against Germany, I was actually at a fan park in Brisbane, and the the, the, North, the, the fan park for the, for the Germany fans were full, and I'm a big pop fan. I love Alex Pop. Mm. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm wandering there with my dad and uncle and watch um, that game. We ended up getting sent through the Columbia fan park. See the noise, Joe? The noise that Columbia fans make. And we've seen them at the tournament as well. Again, they've got that added extra something. You know, England's support's been brilliant. The travel and support, the amount of money that people are sending to all other countries, it's exceptional. And I'm glad the women's game is just like that now. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be a good test. But I think England have enough, just about enough to get the job done. If they can go in there with confidence and just play knowing that they can win. Uh, Japan are a lot of people's favourites and they're also incredibly popular team <laughs> people yeah. kind of have a lot of affection for the way they play the way they go about their business so uh, give us your sense of Japan through this tournament and, and why it is they seem to almost have become most people's second favourite team well that's it they seem to have it all they've been stunning to watch in all areas of the pitch they've taken everybody by surprise I mean they won the World Cup before a number of years ago yeah. I'm not going to give them 15, 15, I think. They shocked the US. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, I, I mean, I didn't get to see any of their games out there because uh, I wasn't in those areas. But the, the response from pundits, from fans, from even players I've been speaking to who can't go over the standard that Japan are setting. And also, there's something quite lovely when you, you know, at the end of the games and they go, all the fans get together and they go clean the stadiums. I'm like, there's that whole good karma thing that comes along with it as well. You know, they all 
muck in and make sure that they, they tidy up after themselves and leave the place immaculate. That I think makes people like them that little bit more. Um, but yeah, they've been exceptional to watch. Sweden, I've enjoyed. I've, I've enjoyed watching. I think they had um, not the, the tournament they wanted at the Euros last time round. They're one of the highest ranked teams in the world. We know what we, they can do, but I actually think they're fine in form all over the place and they've had a really good tournament so far. And coming off the back and knocking out the USA, you can only imagine they're going to be absolutely pumped. So Japan for me in this one, but Sweden will give them a good run for their money, I think. Okay. 2011, by the way, I was mistaken. They beat USA in a penalty shootout in 11. So we'll see how they get on. You mentioned there, I mean, you've talked about the support people have travelled over and the fan parks. Uh, we spoke to a couple of Irish journalists who were out in Australia at the start of the tournament. They weren't as sure that the the home country were embracing the World Cup in the way they expected. They thought it would be a wash with posters of Sam Kerr in every building and they made the point that the World Cup coverage wasn't actually free to air which is, is kind of surprising as well. Did you get a sense Australia was getting very much on board with it? What was your experience like? Could You yeah. you, you couldn't walk 100 metres without knowing a World Cup was on or was it a little disappointing maybe? That's how I felt. That's how definitely I felt. I was there for the group stage um, and I thought everywhere I went I knew the World Cup was on. Right, okay. Perth. Ireland's second game against Canada was, I mean, the weather was worse than it would be on a, on a good summer's day in Ireland, but um, it was miserable in Perth mm. and it was quite a quiet town and they'd closed the fan parks. They were only opening it for match day and match day, as you know, was an absolute, you know, the weather was atrocious and nobody went out to the fan parks. However, Perth has an incredible amount of Irish pubs, so the Irish support in the pubs ahead of the game, which is where we spent all the time with the fans ahead of that game, again, everybody was there embracing it. I think the travelling support has been great. Everywhere you went, billboards, uh, side of buildings, projections, uh, airports, flags, the main streets all up with the, the hoarding yeah. for the FIFA Women's World Cup. I thought, they, I thought they really embraced it. The, the free to air is a problem over there as well. Um, one of our journalists out there just now, she's saying, I can't, I can't watch the games, you know, so I need to get the info from back home. Mm. That, that's a bit rubbish. That yeah, is a bit a rubbish. Step, a lot of people are, are at war with the, how much money you spend on the rights, if it's going to rate because it's been so far away. But their home tournament, to not, the home country, sorry, to not really yeah. embrace it, feels a bit weird. Very weird, very surprising. It's funny, I was, I was on the Guardian sports section earlier on and most viewed stories, so to give you a flavour of top five, it's things like West Ham, 30 million deal with Harry Maguire, number five. Mm -hmm. uh, Mendy is chasing millions of pounds uh, of back pay from Man City, number three, how Saudi Arabia uh, change Newcastle United. Number two, West Ham's power struggles over transfer window. Number one is women's World Cup power ranking. France on the rise, England dropped down. That's number one. I think like the, the the UK is massively in on this English team. I guess you have a good sense of that with your work with TalkSport and beyond. Hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. I think a, a lot are a bit disappointed. Like reading some of the stories from the back pages of the papers over here today, a lot of journalists saying that England aren't as good as they think they are. Yeah. I think it's just realising that they're a very different side to last time round at the, round at the, the, the Euros. You know, you're missing your captain, Lee Williamson. You're missing who was excellent at the Euros. You're missing Beth Mead, who gave you all the goals. You're missing Frank Harvey, who was everything in the midfield. You're missing yeah. Ellen White, who brought the experience. You're missing Jill Scott, who also brought the, the experience and that tournament experience as well. There's a number of changes, and now you're missing Lauren James for the next game. So, yeah, I think it's kind of... And the standard is rising. It's not just all about England and, you know, the FA can pump in the money and have the best of facilities. You know, it's starting to happen everywhere as well. And, and, and 
And that's what I've enjoyed so much about the tournament, that it's not just been a USA and England race. Yeah. There's been other teams really to kind of throw up a few obstacles. And, um, yeah, I think the England fans truly believe that they've got enough to go all the way in the tournament. And I think it could be, selfishly, I want them to do it because I think it's just boosted women's football here so much in the last year. And I think for them, with it being on the other side of the world, with it being harder for you know, maybe neutrals to watch the game. I think if you're a women's football fan, you know where to go to get your World Cup action. You know where it's going to be. You can listen to it. You know where you can get all the updates. You know where you can watch it. And and if you're not, you're not going to go looking for it. So I think it's good if the Lionesses can get to a final. I think it will just continue the momentum here of where women's football is at, selfishly. Listen, thank you so much. We'll let you go. Uh, enjoy the sleeping situation. I'm sure uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting. Yes. Yeah. Oh, sounds like I've got a very interesting social life, doesn't it? I really yeah. sold myself for a job. Part, uh, party animal. Well, indeed. <laughs> Thanks, Emil. Shabana Hearn with us, giving us the uh, lowdown on the World Cup situation. So again, quarterfinal stages now. Uh, Friday, Spain against Netherlands. Japan, who are in with a great shade against Sweden. And then on the Saturday, Australia-France is going to be a great game and we'll see if England can find a bit more form against Colombia. So they are your quarter-finalists as we head into Friday and Saturday. Our World Cup coverage on Off the Ball is with thanks to Sure Non-Stop Protection, deodorant official sponsor of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. The Women's World Cup Show on Off the Ball with Sure Non-Stop Protection Deodorant, official sponsor of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023.